Hello and welcome to A Week in Politics, episode 19. We're so close to the 20 mark. I'm joined here by Albert and Otto says as usual. Ed Bowyer is back uh, in the studio today with us. Ed, it's great to have you back in after probably about a 10 episode hiatus that you've been on for taking. I don't know what you've been up to, <laughs> ill, working, I don't know. But we're back. Albert, how are you today? Are you, uh, are you feeling good after your miserable defeat to Odysseus in the Red King Cup final last week? Yeah, it was disappointing, but I'm, you know, I'm back. I'm ready to take, on it, take it on again. Well, yes. And obviously, the past few episodes, we've had a, lots of special guests. This week, we haven't got a special guest, but we've got a great episode lined up. We're going to be breaking down the news of the week. Uh, we've all got a new story to talk about. And then we're going to be going into a new section, which is a bit like Room 101. But we're going to talk about, our, we're all going to have our ideal cabinet minister. We're going to start off with the prime minister. We're going to make an ideal cabinet over this series. And we're going to start off with who would be our ideal prime minister. So you've got to wait and see who we all think is our ideal prime minister before going into the new cup which will be revealed at the end of the episode with a game of who am i so we'll get into that but first off let's get into the news of the week and i'm going to start off with the news that i've picked which is obviously the brexit negotiations have uh, the deadline which set by prime minister boris johnson has passed that was of uh, the 15th of thursday and it's passed and we're now set towards a no deal boris johnson said today which on the 16th that we are pushing towards an australia style uh, trade deal rather than a canada one which they're pursuing for the past six months or so but yes we're heading towards a no deal uh, at the end of the year albert what do you make of this because I, I think that i'm all for you know i think we're prepared well we can be prepared for a no deal i think an australia deal is a good idea and I think that obviously a Canada won't be perfect, but I, we've got to stand our ground now. We've got to push for an order. We can't go back to the negotiation table. That's what I think. But obviously I'll open it up. Albert, what do you think? Well, I still think, as, as we've said before on here, I still think it would be better to leave with a deal. Um, just basically because of the EU was such a big trading partner of ours and it just makes trade so much easier. And, you know, there's so much uncertainty for businesses <clears throat> uh, about what they're going to be doing at the end of this year. Uh, so, and I don't think, obviously I know the government has, you know, been difficult in these negotiations, but I think the EU has been difficult as well. So, you know, there there's room for manoeuvre on both sides. That, but it would the best outcome would still be a deal for me. Mm, I think a deal is is it's still possible. I don't think it's dead in the water yet. They like said we've still got a lot of time. They there's only apparently two things left: fisheries and uh, competition rate. I think competition rates or something like that uh, yet to agree on. So I do think that there's there is still you know plenty of time to get those things done. I think fisheries is obviously the big point which we are disagreeing on plainly because of the channel border and, and the north and the north sea which is such you know large competition there and, and the border isn't exactly drawn out as a line as it was on ground you know the sea is a very difficult one to sort of pinpoint so i i do think that we could get a deal but i'm again i'm not worried if we don't i think there is uh, chances that we could you know we could get on and we could still be a success of brexit without the uh you know agreeing on fisheries and, and things like that i'll just say what, what do you make of the uh the deadline passing and uh pushing towards a no deal well first of all i just like to say i think and i have mentioned this before so i'll in touch but i think it's insane that we're talking about this at the moment the company's on the brink of shutting down a game yet you know they still think that this is relevant like you just have to put it aside whilst the whole both the uk and the rest of europe deals with this band, I, I think it's ridiculous that we're even talking about this. But since we are, I think is well. I mean, because you know, we spoke about Brexit, we've talked about coronavirus like for eight for so long. I thought we spice it with a bit of Brexit. Yeah, the viewers want podcast. Brexit. I'm not the podcast. I'm talking about politics in general. Like this should have just been set aside for at least a year and deal with. Like it's just not. It's not a priority um, when all of these countries are probably going to be shutting down um, and dealing with so much more. Um, 
but having said that, I think it's quite clear that a trade deal is definitely the best option. Um, like, obviously, they're quite close with the rest of the, uh, the UK, sorry, with the rest of the EU. Um, we need to have trade deals with many other countries. Um, we have built, like, So, yeah, I'm kind of on the same fence as Al, but uh, I kind of disagree with Oddie a little bit in the sense that uh, while it certainly shouldn't be on the top of the agenda, I do think these things are worth talking about because, uh, you know, uh, obviously a health crisis takes center stage. However, we do need to think to some extent about the longevity of our economy and whatnot, and uh, especially when there's uncertainty, you know. It's very difficult. It's, there's already uncertainty, obviously, because of COVID and on top of that, Brexit. So anything that can be done to alleviate that uncertainty, uh, I'm sure would be welcome. Uh, and it's worth noting, I, I can't remember where I saw it, but uh, the president of the European Commission uh, tweeted something along the lines of like, we're wanting to get a deal, but not at any price. So, you know, while we do want a deal, Obviously, that, that would be uh, uh, the best outcome. It's it might be better in some circumstances to have no deal, you know, rather than like a terrible deal. Uh, and then and, and especially from a negotiating point of view, you need to be able to uh, have the option of no deal. Otherwise, uh, the EU could effectively hold us hostage. Mm. Uh, I do think that, you know, it's very similar to last year when we we're heading towards it and we managed to get a deal and the EU blinked first last year. And I do think this time, I think Boris Johnson has blinked first. I think that he's gone into this, he's coming out and saying he wants now an Australia system, uh, Australia deal, which is a, 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 you know, it's not the best of deals. I have to admit it's uh, for, for the UK anyway, for Australia, it's great, but for us, it wouldn't be great. But I think he's blinked first. I think he could have held out. I think in, in July when the first deadline was set, he should have said, he should have said he was walking. Um, then and I think we would have had a deal now I spoke to uh, well last last week obviously you listened to the interview with Anne Whittacombe she did say that Boris Johnson should have walked in July and I was fortunate enough to talk to Anne Whittacombe yesterday and she said the same thing again uh, over a lovely Zoom call and a few drinks um, with the with the lovely lady Anne and you know she 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 was right with it all and I think she's right and I think that it is what she's done I think Boris needs to think now is this the right decision I think he's blinked too soon I think it is all about who who you know, battens down, who goes down first. And I think we have gone down first on this occasion. I do think we're going to end up with a worse deal if, if we, you know, said we're leaving with a no deal earlier on in the year. I think it, that's what I'm thinking. But, uh, but you know, it's, I said, it's, it's so long to go. Yeah, we've got October. And RG, I do agree with them in part of it. You know, we shouldn't be talking about Brexit or the Brexit d debate should not be going on when we should be working collectively to try and uh, defeat this virus and this pandemic, which is going on uh, across the world. I do think that talking about Brexit is sort of, splitting Boris Johnson should be focusing all on that especially during these such difficult months where we're going through rather than focusing on Brexit which I personally would have supported a a essentially an extension to the transition period to another year but uh you know I said I, I feel like I've, I've been agreeing with Odyssey a lot over these past couple of weeks on the podcast I'm getting a bit alarmed to be honest either Oddie's getting sense or I'm losing the marbles a little bit I'm not too sure which way it's going but um well, I was only going to say with uh with Anne Whittakin I'm surprised she doesn't want the EU leaders put to death after our views on the capital punishment. Well, we enjoyed. Well, that's the thing, and we I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, Ed, you weren't you weren't here for these these that, that the uh, 
past past couple of episodes, you've been uh, too. No, busy. I did listen to them though. You've been too busy fighting COVID on the front lines, uh, <laughs> you know, as, as working in MS. And um, we're not saying where he works. Obviously, I'm not going to get fans or come into your workplace. I don't know how much of the big fan you are, people are fans of you on the podcast, but um, it's you know, she's a a great a great woman. I just want to say, Ed, which was she? Was she who was your favorite guest that we've had over the past couple of It's been big for us. And I just want to ask you curiously, who's your, been your favorite so far? You know, Vince Cable, David Eddington, Tom Harwood, you could say, Natalie Bennett, uh, or, um, or Anne Whittaker. Uh, honestly, probably Vermin Supreme. Oh. Uh, <laughs> recently, uh, I guess more recently than that. Uh, I like Natalie Bennett, uh, obviously mainly because I believe I agree with a lot of the things she said. That was very interesting to mm. hear her talk Lovely about lady. from the Green yeah. Party, which I don't think gets enough media attention. Mm, no, great lady indeed. But anyway, Ed, you know, you're great to have you back on the podcast. As you know, we do consider you a regular on here. It's been a shame you haven't been on recently, but it's great to have you back on. Join the join the boys on the uh, the lads on the in the podcast. And Ed, obviously, we're going to come to you. What what new stories caught your eye this week? Which is uh, what you want to to bring up? Uh, well, that's a, a, quite a departure, I guess, from Brexit and uh, Europe in general. Uh, I wanted to go back to talking about China, specifically. Uh, something we talked about on the China episode quite a while back, uh, the Ugear humanitarian crisis. Uh, I just want to keep everyone up to date and aware of the issue because I feel like it doesn't get enough uh, attention. Uh, a bit of background, if you don't know, the Ugears are basically the uh, Muslim population, well, not the Muslim population, but uh, a sub-ethnicity within China that are pr- predominantly Muslim. Uh, they've basically been under constant threat from the Chinese authorities, there's been raising of mosques. Uh, they've been sent to what can only be described as like pseudo concentration camps uh, or quote unquote education camps. Uh, and recently it was revealed that like uh, they are very, very often separated from family members, their fathers being away from their children. Uh, and uh, the broader issue though is what we or or rather the international community is actually doing about it because really apart from a few ngos amnesty international especially uh there's been very little attention or any sort of you know any sort of uh uh thought put into like what we should do about this and of course, there's, there's, there's other things like we said about COVID going on. But, you know, I, I suppose my question to you all is like, what do you think? Do you think we should be doing more? And if so, what do you think we should be doing about it? Well, well on, on Tuesday, uh, no, Wednesday it was, uh, the parliament did debate the uh, sanctions on China over the Uyghur Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say the debate wasn't very well turned out uh, for <laughs> yeah. what it should be, but it was debated nonetheless. And obviously, if you listen to episode, if you're long listeners of the podcast, you'd know that in episode six, we did do a whole episode on China and the Uyghur Muslim situation, which is going on there. And it's such a catastrophe going on. And I think more needs to be done. But like I said, what can we do uh, apart from condemn? Like you can't particularly put sanctions on China. It doesn't work uh, a country of that stature and, and that prominence. I, I personally don't know what you can do to and I think that's the conclusion we came to at the end of, uh, of episode six, that mm-hmm. what can we do? There isn't much that, as a global community, we can do apart from condemn and show it up. But what can China do? They're not going to listen. So that's what I see. I mean, Albert Elder says, feel free to say well, what you one, think. 
one thing I was going to say uh, that we can do almost on more of a personal level is that like try and avoid using companies that use labor from those areas. Absolutely. So I know there was a bit of a scandal when um, uh, it was, I can't remember which company, a company that made face masks, but like disposable face masks was using labor from that area. So like try to avoid buying them from there. Cause if you, if you do that, then people, you know, the, the companies will be forced to move it elsewhere if it's not economically viable. Um, mm. Similarly, I know that Disney's uh, Mulan remake was part of filmed in there. And actually the general, the credits of that film thank the Chinese security forces in Xinjiang for their help oh with making God. the film, which is just a ridiculous thing to do. But anyway, that's a bit of a sidetrack. But yeah, you know. Yeah, you like, shouldn't watch that film anyway, but that's another China reason not to. Specifically for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Odysseus, what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I think... Um, you know, everything I sort of wanted to say about that was said on the China episode. Um, yeah, I just think that the government uh, should be doing more. Um, you know, yeah, I, th I think that they have to just sort of try and do everything that they can um, to cooperate and, you know, tackle what's just such an enormous issue. Um, because I think it does actually really stand apart uh, in comparison to, like, certain other human rights issues to just how, like, large scale it is. The fact that it's just happening and people are, I think that there's been some more attention driven to it since actually uh, that, that last time we spoke about it. Um, mm. But yeah, hopefully they can just sort of do more to, to pressure China over it. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about the, uh, the UN? Because uh, the, uh, the leader of the Human Rights Committee, I believe, has made comments on it and they definitely are aware of it, obviously. Uh, do you think that like they could be doing any more or do you think they're in a better position to do more perhaps? No, I think, personally, I think that the UN's hands are tied. I mean, let's not forget, I think that, I can't remember how many countries, but there was a pretty significant list of countries who all signed a letter saying that what they thought was happening in, you know, this situation that we're talking about, thought that it was great. Um, you know, of course, China's very powerful in the UN. Um, mm -hmm. So, well, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think that would be a good way of taking action because China would probably win in that way anyway. It's more... Uh, you know, specific countries, the UK, the US, EU, who could do more. True. Audi, mm. uh, have you got anything to, uh, any news to bring up? Obviously, is a thing. If you want to learn about more about that, go to episode six of the podcast. We explain it in detail. We have a really serious discussion on that. Really informative. I definitely recommend checking it out. Also gives us a few more views as well on that. But Audi, <laughs> what news have, has caught your eye this week? I know you like your, uh, your obscure news. What have you, what's caught your eye? Well, it's, you know, well known to uh, regular listeners of this podcast that I'm into my unrecognized countries. Um, and I have news to bring in this from, you know, this corner this week. Um, I'm sure that everyone knows I should become, you know, far more mainstream than the usual stories uh, that I mentioned to do with these things, which is, of course, in Nagorno-Karabakh, in uh, the disputed region, officially in Azerbaijan, but de facto in Armenia. Uh, since, you know, we haven't talked about this on this podcast, so to give a quick overview of everything, uh, it's a disputed region. At the moment, it's basically populated by ethnic uh, Armenians, predominantly the Azeri community was pretty much kicked out and made to be refugees around the time of the ending of the Soviet Union. Um, there's been a sort of restarting of the tensions in this area. Azerbaijan does, you know, their demand is basically that Armenia withdraws from what it calls its territory, from what is internationally recognised as its territory. Armenia is obviously not going to do so. There's been a shaky ceasefire that's been agreed, um, although there has been like breaking of this sort of 
you know, from what I gather, both countries have said that the other one's been breaking the ceasefire. Um, personally, I think this is how I think it probably ends because it's essentially been this disputed territory. Azerbaijan's very unhappy about it. Obviously, Armenia uh, claims it. Um, and there's, there's, it's not unu that unusual for there to be like some violence on the border between and Azerbaijan, this is like what's happened recently has been much more of it, but the fact that there could be an unstable ceasefire, generally peaceful, but still quite a lot of, I guess you could say skirmishes happening, I think that's probably where I see this thing uh, for a reasonable time at least. Uh, so that's what's happened uh, in that area. I don't know if you have thoughts about what should happen or uh, anyone. No, yeah, right. I mean, is, this is, yeah, oh, yeah, sorry, go on, Hubbard. No, no, you, you give us it, you're right. I was just going to say, like, this is obviously between Azerbaijan and Armenia. This has been going on for so long. Do you, like, do you think there's any sort of end in sight <laughs> within the next, I mean, even decades, I would say? Do you think there's any sort of resolution that can be made? Um, personally, I think that basically, in order for there to be any change, you basically have to have a complete, I think actually more than the situation itself, you basically need to have just much more growth throughout the country of both countries um in the sense that armenia azerbaijan like so many uh, like i guess you could say ethnic conflicts or disputes is pretty much actually just because like the the leaders just want someone to deflect off onto yeah. um i understand that armenia has um you know it's basically trying to transition into a much more democratic country <laughs> um so i wouldn't be that surprised if maybe armenia like makes some more changes i don't know about azerbaijan um then if that was to happen they'd probably not need to like attack each other as much um but yeah. for the foreseeable future now i don't really see a proper long-term solution uh, i was only just going to add is um do we see a similar situation in other conflicts where there's a bit more like other countries backing particular sides because I'm, I'm aware that is, is, is it basically russia and turkey that are kind of involved with russia being on the side of armenia and uh, Turkey being in Azerbaijan, or is that just not that? That's not the case, really. Or sorry, what's so? Wait, what? What's the question? What so really? Is, they... Am I right in saying that there are other countries that have interests in it in in that regards? Or like Israel and Palestine? Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Turkey like backs Azerbaijan entirely. They're like obviously close allies, and they yeah, both have a. I think Russia, to a large extent, backs Armenia. It has a military base there, but at the same time, Russia was like mediating the peace talks. So yeah. Russia is probably like less uh, behind Armenia in the way that Turkey is with Azerbaijan. But at the same time, it means that Azerbaijan can't just do what it wants. So obviously, yeah. Azerbaijan mm. is more powerful than Armenia. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. yeah. No, it's just, it is interesting. You know, I'm not really one that likes. Uh, you know, interested in in that sort of politics as I'm much for British and American politics. Uh, but it is really interesting on it. I think it's, it's good for our listeners to, uh, to know. Um, yeah. To know about it. I think it's, it's, it's really interesting. And uh, that's the new, that's our news. Week. That's what, that's what's caught our, our eye uh, this week. And as we move into now to play uh, a new feature on the show, which is every, we're going to be talking to uh, debating uh, about who would be one in our ideal cabinet? And this week we're going to be talking about who's our ideal prime minister in a game of Room SW1.
So it's time to play Room SW1, obviously like Rumor 101, but SW1, the postcode of uh, 10 Downing Street. And on this week, we're going to be going through uh, who our ideal prime minister is to head our ideal cabinet, which we'll find and complete by the end of this series of the podcast. So, uh, Albert, you're going to go first. Who would be your ideal prime minister uh, in, your, in your cabinet? Right, well, I thought a bit about this with, uh, to do with kind of historical significance and like when I would have wanted them to be prime minister kind of thing. So my choice is Ed Miliband. Oof. If I, if Ed Miliband, this is, if he was elected in 2015 as prime minister, we would have avoided the Brexit referendum, therefore avoided Brexit altogether. We could have had five years of uh, Labour government from 2015 to 2020. So the election would have been in May 2020. Um, meaning that Ed Miliband still would have been prime minister during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and I feel like he would have done a much better job based on his performances in Prime Minister's Question Time recently. And I feel like he could have put together a really strong cabinet of individuals like Keir Starmer and people like that who would have worked together really well in the cabinet. Uh, we, would have, we would have avoided Jeremy Corbyn's leadership, which, I mean, you know, some people would say would be a good thing for Labour would have avoided a landslide defeat in 2019. Lots of talented MPs wouldn't have lost their seat. And Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock would have been far, far away from uh, anywhere near number 10 Downing Street, which would have been, I, can, I can't see how that can't be a bonus. Uh, you know, thousands of lives may have been prevented. If that's not a good reason, then uh, I don't really know what else is. Mm. Ed Miliband is my nominee. Well, my nominee, I had a couple of choices for mine. I was going towards my good friend, James Cleverly. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg was on there. Uh, David Cameron was on there as well because oh, I did yes. enjoy him getting, getting him back involved. But the one I chose on, which I thought was, was for me the best choice, is the one and only Michael Gove. Now, you're all going to sit there. You're all going to laugh at me for this, but you won't be laughing once I've explained that. Michael Gove has some fantastic banter. His speech, that really sets it for me. That really makes me think that Gove is probably, for me, the next prime minister of, uh, of the country when Boris uh, falls on his own sword later next year. I do believe that he's got fantastic banter. He's, you know, witty. His prime minister's questions when he does step in is, is he's unreal. He does it like quick. He knows how to answer it. I do believe that Michael Gove is uh, got a similar, he's got true conservative values, but he isn't a buffoon like Boris Johnson, which means that in COVID, I think he would have done a better job. He's so intelligent. So like, he's statesmanlike as well. And the reason that I go for Gove is that speech they did in the vote of no confidence on Theresa May, when he came out and said, you know, and absolutely put down the SNP, put down Corbyn, put down the Lib Dems uh, with a fantastic little Br Britain reference in there, which I'm surprised he got away with. And, you know, I, I just think that he is, he's, for me, the ideal candidate to lead, a, to lead you know, uh, to be prime minister. And he'll explain it. You know, you may think now why Michael Gove things that, but he'll explain it when I go through my other choices later on in, in future episodes, you know, for Chancellor and Home Secretary and Foreign Secretary. They all link very well. And it isn't just Michael Gove in a wig for different positions. I'm not going to do that. Even though I love <laughs> Michael Gove. It, I do believe that Michael Gove is, is my perfect choice purely because of his wit and charm and his fantastic debating skills, which means he'll be able to put people like Captain Hindsight, Keir Starmer in his place at Prime Minister's Questions. Uh, over to you, Odysseus. Right, well, uh, when you asked us to sort of come up with this, you said past or present, right? Yes, yes. Okay, well, I've gone quite a bit into the past. I've plunged into the past and come out with none other than Cardinal Wolsey. Oh, Christ. Um, oh, for, people, for people who haven't done, 
history, who don't know history and don't know their uh, Henry VIII or Tudors, can you please explain to us who Cardinal Wolsey is? Uh, I mean, all you really need to know is that he's a top lad. Uh, <laughs> but you know, to let you know who he was, he's basically someone who rose to power as Henry VIII came to, to power. Um, he was, you know, a key advisor. He was involved in sort of the foreign policy and the domestic policy. Um, and for anyone that's not that familiar with some of the policies of Henry VIII, he, he, he was someone who basically just decided to go to war uh, with everyone. Um, <laughs> and I think that I'd love to see, because I think that Wolsey was probably somewhat constrained um, by Henry VIII, but still sort of had that bit of aggression about him. So I think that, you know, to see him now in Brexit negotiations, sort of, you know, unrestrained, doing what he wants, with that bit of sort of, you know, confrontation, but at the same time, not to maybe the same level that he was, um, and also not having to worry about, you know, getting a knife put in his back, as happened at the time. Uh, I think it would be great to see Wolsey. I think he'd make a fantastic prime minister. Um, I think he'd, he's the only man, you know, I frequently question Britain's ability in its EU negotiations. I think he's the only man that could convince me that Britain would walk all over the EU. Um, and so that's why I think that, right. you know, he'd be a great prime minister. Well, I've got some fantastic re history rebuttals. I think our history listeners were going to love this conversation, definitely, when it comes to uh, <laughs> challenging Odysseus and his choice of Cardinal Wolsey. But Ed, over to you. Who would be your ideal prime minister in, this, in, our, in our week in politics cabinet? Well, mine's uh, kind of a weird one because there's no way it's ever going to happen. But at the same time, it would be, it would sincerely be my ideal prime minister. Uh, and that would be uh, David Attenborough. Because I think that the main thing that plagues British politics and just British society today is divisiveness. Everyone's so divided on everything. Uh, and what you really need is somebody who, you know, nobody can hate David Attenborough. Like that, I don't think there's a single person in Britain that doesn't like David Attenborough. So I feel like that would bring us all together. And on a more serious note, like he does uh, have obviously uh, very good views about climate change. I feel like he'd get some of that sorted uh, rather than just the current politicians are just sitting back and kind of letting it do its thing. Uh, and of course, he has experience dealing with monkeys. So I feel like he'd be more than qualified to be uh, in Parliament. Well, I mean, I've got plenty of rebuttal for all of them. I'm going to start with, with Albert. Let's just challenge Albert's one. So Albert chose uh, Ed Miliband. Uh, Albert, I mean, Ed Miliband was useless. I mean, he, he was <laughs> absolutely useless. He's useless as, as in the thick of it quotes. He's as useless as a marzipan dildo. He, he just, he's a flop, honestly. He was never, ever going to be prime minister. Why do you think that he would have been a good prime minister? He's, he's shocking, shocking policies. Oh, I, I, I think he's, he, he's actually... He, he was he was quite popular with a lot of voters. Obviously, not enough voters to get him elected. No, twice. I mean, by, yeah, I mean, by some voters. Uh, and I say his performances at Prime questions. I was. I feel like he's the kind of guy who people would have a bit more like rose tinted glasses on now that we can. You know, you, you'd look back and you think actually he's a lot better than what we've got now. You know, and uh, I think that people would have more time for him. You know, he he he, didn't, he wasn't involved in any of the stuff that's been recently. So no, you know, he, just. Just can, the fact that he backstabbed his brother and couldn't eat a bacon sarni. Uh, well, and, and, and of historical, historical, I say, just it would have prevented Brexit if he'd have become proud. Well, I mean, but obviously that's where we're going to disagree on that. But I just think that Ed Miliband, you know, he, he's not the statesman we want to lead this cabinet, which reforming here. He, he's just, he's all over the shot. He talks. But, he's again, but I just, I think he could, he could do a, a, you know, he would have done a lot better job of dealing with coronavirus or any other crises that we've had in this time. So, 
I, I mean, think, I'll think of the alternate history that could have happened, all the excitement. I mean, the only thing that you've got going for you there for me, Albert, is that you've, got, you've had, you know, the banter that he had with David Cameron was off the scale. You know, it was unbelievable. <laughs> it, it made PMQs a must-watch. It was absolutely fantastic. They just got on so well. And they yeah. just wanted, you know, the stuff that they came out with, the cracking put-downs they had. And I think that's the only reason that I would be swayed it, it, to it if, we, if, if you could promise us that if Ed Miliband got, if we picked Ed Miliband, that he would have the same put-downs that he did in PMQ oh, sorry, in those five years. We'd be able to bring the, bring the funny. I feel like Woolsey's references particularly are going to be pretty out of date. You know, he's not going to get the kind of... Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's time to... He's not going to get any partridge references. Or time like to challenge Odysseus <laughs> on... Uh, on, on Cardinal Wolsey you know, you know all of us are, are big know who Cardinal Wolsey is he's a big part oh, of my life personally he's touched me in many ways not physically but uh, emotionally um, and I just want to say Oddie do you think Cardinal Wolsey in this day and age would be able to handle he, he mean coronavirus he just won't know what's going on he, he's, he, said, yeah, he, had a heart attack, he had a heart attack on the way to his execution so exactly you know he had a heart firstly he's, he's unfair he's in it he's, he's got <laughs> yeah. to be shielding because he's in a high risk category <laughs> he's overweight and he's old you know, he's not even have like a young clone of Wolsey. We wouldn't get. No, him. no, no. You don't get a young clone. You get the one that he's chosen. Exactly. Okay, yeah. right. it's okay. So, firstly, I don't think you could say that he's old because, like, he's dead. So you have to bring him back. And I think anyone you bring back can be back in in whatever age. You know, I'm not saying. Well, I think you know, middle. You know, whatever the middle of his age was, we'll call him that. Uh, you know, I think that's fair to say because you know, if, yeah, he, if, he's dead. So. You, you can choose to bring him back. And then in terms of dealing with today's issues, you know, did you not see the field of the cloth of gold? You know, a remarkable, remarkable uh, event. Um, and I just thought if he was to do, like, the field of the cloth of gold, but instead of, like, Francis I and Henry VIII jousted, it would be, like, Marc Francois and, like, Ursula von Leyen, or whatever she's called. I mean, I, I did that, but also we've got to understand you, you, know, you said things, you know, the type, because we're talking about like if he came prime minister, like as of today, as of the 16th of October, would he be able to become prime minister? And, you know, he couldn't organize a break from Rome. How do you think he could organize a break from Europe? I mean, he absolutely, an absolute shambles oh, of, of, a, of, a man, of a man doing that. And that led to his downfall. Do you really think that the, uh, the 1982 committee or the, uh, you know, the ERG will be able to hold him, you know, they'll, 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 they'll undermine him straight away. His downfall will be in, in a week's time when he realises it's going to get to February next year and we're still in the, you know, we're still with a no deal. He's a, he's a shambles of a man. Whereas, whereas Michael Gove will be able to get us out with his eyes closed you know, he's got not only that, but not only has he worked in political satire as a previous job, he'd be able to get us out with no deal. He'd, he'd also supply the amount of Charlie at a, uh, you know, at a conference or things like that. It'd be unbelievable. Yeah, the cocaine yeah, yeah. that he would provide <laughs> would, would keep us all going throughout the, uh, the thing. He'd literally, I do believe that Michael Gove is the um, Eaton's Pablo Escobar. And he will be able to provide us with some great times. But not only that, the amount of put-downs he'll give. And, that, and that's why I think that Michael Gove is, a, is the standout choice out of us for here. Um, purely Sorry, quickly, I'll quickly come back on a couple of things. Uh, firstly, I'd, po I'd point out that, um, you know, Wolsey did successfully create a break with Rome. Henry got his divorce. The Church of England was set up, so he did manage that. And secondly, I'd just like to finish with saying, do you know how many years ago the field of the cloth of gold was? How many? Because the answer is exactly 500. It's written in the stars that Thomas Wolsey comes back uh, and uses his wonderful European diplomacy 
to, to save Brexit. I have a very important question. If he comes back, does he still have dysentery? <laughs> uh, is there a cure for dysentery nowadays? There probably is, I feel like. I feel people yeah, don't I feel like there is. anymore. Well, for, for I mean, you know, I know from, you know, the diorolite is a very successful way of treating dysentery. Okay. You know, for, for, for me, for me, per, for me personally, I just think that Cardinal Wolsey not only is in a, he's in a at-risk category to COVID nineteen at the moment, overweight, <laughs> ill, and, you know the amount of illnesses which he which he's susceptible to get. He's out, old-fashioned, out of date. Uh, he wouldn't know what it is. He'll be he'll be coming out. He would, if he sees a black person in the street, God knows what he's going to do. <laughs> I mean, or a homosexual person, it'll be unreal. It'll be, there'll be so many scandals around him. It'll be incredible. Are we talking about Michael Gove here? Or... <laughs> <laughs> well, I will not have any, anything said about my Michael. Um, or, I mean, or David Attenborough. I mean, he's quite old. I mean, he is quite old. I mean, he is quite, he is quite... <laughs> that's, that's the main problem, I feel. Well, like. exactly. I mean, we've... we've, we've he's going to be a short-term prime minister. He's a very short. I mean, he's, what is he, 90, 91, is he? 90? He'll be fine. He'll 91? Be right. He's at risk. He's got to be shielding. You haven't thought about this at, at all. At least me and Albert have come up with some sensible wins. He'll be able to survive the uh, five wins, at least, you know. Pumping full of drugs like they do with Trump. Just, yeah, you know. yeah, that would, yeah, in fairness. Yeah. I mean, that, that antibody cocktail which he had, I mean, it is... <laughs> Thing. I mean, I wouldn't want to see David on that. I mean, David is a is a good choice. Uh, as it's a good choice because everyone loves David Attenborough. Even though I can, I can sometimes he comes out with a load of waffle be, about climate change. He would be uh, very electable, to be fair. Yeah, he would be electable. Yeah. He'd get a lot of people voting for you know the older people love him, the younger people love him. Uh, but I am worried that he won't see it past winter. And um, <laughs> well, even if he doesn't, like he would have done some good by then. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I mean, he would have done. I mean, we'll, firstly, we'll get climate. Uh, you know, the climate crisis sorted. Uh, which is a good thing, and a lot of you know, I'd love to see the amount of zoos which we get to see around. Uh, I would, would he close zoos? Or would he keep them open? Because I know I don't. He close like commercial zoos, but he keep open the ones that are like, like safaris uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah. I could see, I could see David Attenborough thing. I just don't think you'll see it past winter. But um, sure everyone's going. I'm sure he was on a list of like most loved people in Britain or something. I think it was like him, yeah. and, him and Danny Dyer or something. So I, do, I genuinely can't think of any like any any other celebrity or anybody who like. It is so universal. Well, like, I think it's time that we, we voted on this uh, to mm. decide. I mean, uh, my vote personally, I, I think I'm edging towards, and I know I started off the start, but purely from reminiscing about the fantastic time of 2010 to 2015, I'm choosing Ed Miliband uh, as my we, vote, I think. I'm assuming we're not allowed to vote for our own. Not allowed to vote for your own, no. no, no, no you've no. got to vote for someone else's. I'm going for Ed Miliband. I think Ed Miliband is is the one that I would I would choose purely from the, the absolute banter that he would have on the front bench if we had someone in there again like David Cameron. It would be just those times. I want to reminisce. I want to go back to those days, peaceful days. So I'm going for Ed Miliband. Uh, yeah. Albert, who are you going for? I'm torn, I'm torn between Attenborough and Wolsey. I, I do love the idea of both of them. I'm going to go just just with David Attenborough. But I, um, I, well, the idea of Cardinal Wolsey would be fun. I'm going to go with David Attenborough. Yep. Uh, Odysseus, who are you going for? Oh, I think we've lost. Wait, him. sorry, I missed that. Who's everyone else? Well, who are you, go, who are you going for? Who are you choosing between uh, Cardinal Wall? Well, you can't choose Cardinal Walsey, Ed Miliband, Michael Gove, and David Attenborough. <laughs> Michael Gove. You go for Gove. Ooh, why? Why are you choosing Michael Gove? I'd say, is it the, the cocaine is, is um, swaying here? No, no, it's mainly just because it's tactical voting. I really want Cardinal Wolsey to win, so I can't <laughs> give too much to anyone else. So I'd rather <laughs> go and just hope that someone picks Wolsey. Well, we've all got a vote at the moment, apart from David Attenborough. And obviously Attenborough is now 
Oh, that's Raz got a vote. No, it's, no. Everyone's got a vote. So it's down to you, Ed. Who is going to be the cap prime minister of the Week in Politics fantasy cabinet? Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Miliband on the condition that he is put through a hazing ritual in which he has to finish a bacon sandwich. Yeah. If he doesn't, then I'm voting for Wolsey. Well, it is official. Elected Prime Minister of uh, the uh, Week in Politics Cabinet is Ed Miliband. Uh, Obviously, next week, we're going to come back. We're going to be doing the Chancellor next week. It's good. I've got a great one lined up for Chancellor. Um, And have a think about that, boys, before we we go in. But yes, so Ed Miliband is in. Well done, Albert. You've argued your case very well. Um, Odysseus and Ed, choose someone who isn't ancient and going to die of cold or flu uh, <laughs> over the next couple of months before the next week. Choose someone a bit younger. Uh, easy rebuttal there. But yes, Ed Miliband is our um, Prime Minister. Well done, Albert. You've finally won something. But now we head into the real thing, which is the, I'm going to introduce this week's trophy uh, shortly. So after last week, Odysseus triumphed in the Red Ken Cup final. He also tried in the Tom Howard Testimonial Cup as well. So Odysseus is currently on the way to doing a treble. Uh, but obviously, we've got to introduce a new, a new trophy. And this is the Chucker Champions League, named after the uh, infamous <laughs> Chucker Amuna, after he said <laughs> that he wouldn't want to come on this podcast because he doesn't want to talk politics from a politician. What a wet wipe. So, <laughs> if you're listening, Chucker, we're calling you out. We're calling you out, Chucker. And I, I'm going to do it on Twitter. You can do whatever you want. Legal cases, whatever you want. You're a wet wipe. You don't last go time, into last politics. Time we did this, he came on. So, <laughs> yes, Tom Howard. And, and Chucker, we said to you, you know, you, you may have, you know, crossed the benches as many times as, you know, I, I can't think of a, uh, a simile there, but you are an absolute wet wipe. And what do you want to come and talk about? Flower arrangements, football. We could talk about whatever you want to talk about. Just come on the podcast. Let's do an interview with you. You. Let us challenge you on what you believe in, because personally, I think you're one of the worst politicians to ever exist because you've got no principles and absolutely nothing at all. And I'm going to tweet you at this later, Chuck Rimuna. Be careful because we are we are coming for you, you know. And um, as in the <laughs> not literally coming. No, not literally you. for you. No, no, metaphorically, <laughs> we are going to try and get you on this podcast. Because <laughs> you don't say, you don't ignore, you don't say this, uh, and so you don't want to come on because you don't want to talk politics because you are a politician in the day, and well, not anymore, obviously, because. you Got enough, you can get voted in because of your uh, stance on Brexit. But anyway, uh, obviously, Ed, uh, you are uh, certainly not involved in this because your political knowledge is after Sir Tom Howard testimonial was embarrassing. Uh, not yeah, that's fair enough. So you can be a standby and, and give some, um, you know, some cheer on. We've got some fans in the, cheer sta- on in the distance, fans in the yeah. stadium, as we say, for the uh, the Chucker Champions League. Uh, which I'm very proud of. <laughs> written rolls of the tongue. So we're going to play a game of Who Am I between Albert and Odysseus. Albert, you've got a lot to play for here. You've embarrassed yourself on many occasions. I have, I have so far. So, <laughs> Albert, I'm going to give you the choice as the, as the uh, you know, I really want you to win, basically. So you get to choose first or second. Well, which one should I go for? So we <laughs> first. Um, I would say... I would say second is the, is, second. Is the prettier one. Yeah, yeah I get second. So I'll do over to you first. Um, okay, so you remember you remember the rules. Uh, if you get it on the fourth, uh, the first clue, you get four points. Uh, but obviously, I need your answer in between five seconds of pass. So there's no time for him to Google here. If you do, I go straight on. Um, so this 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 person was the a member of parliament for Kingston upon Hull East. Uh, pass. This person stood for leader of the Labour Party in 1994. Pass. 
This person was former Deputy Prime Minister. Uh, right, I'm moving on. And final clue for one point, this person loves a good egging. This person loves a good egging. Who is this person? Who am I? Wait, a good egging? Yeah, loves a good egging. Is it, uh... No, I've, there are other clues just to stop you from Googling. Uh, this person loves Googling a good egging. What? I just, just want to person... place my jobs. <laughs> This person loves a good egg. So MP for Kingston upon Hull East, stood for leader of the Labour Party in 1994, former Deputy Prime Minister, and loves a good egging. Who am is I? It, is it the old uh, John Prescott? It is John Prescott. For I, thought, I, thought, I thought your last cue, clue, clue would be that he had a guest appearance on Gavin and Stacey. Well, oh, that's a good one. I forgot about that. Uh, it wasn't yeah. on his Wikipedia page. But um, yeah, yeah. yes, he loves a good egging. That is John Prescott. Obviously famous for getting eggs on the campaign trail. So over to you, Albert. You at one point there for Odysseus. One nil. So this person was born in 1966 in Cheshire, England. Okay, next. This person released a book in 2016 titled The Bad Boys of Brexit, Tales of Mischief, Mayhem and Guerrilla Warfare in the EU Referendum Campaign. Uh, right, next. This person was suspended from UKIP in March 2017. What, what year was he born again? Uh, 1966. Um, I'm getting... Ooh, ooh, no, next. This person was a leading donor and figure in the Leave.eu campaign. All oh, right, okay. I'm glad I went for the next one, actually, because I was thinking of something else. I'm going to go for Aaron Banks. It is Aaron Banks for one point. Uh, I, almost said, I almost said on the last one, uh, Mike Hookham, for getting suspended. But yeah. Then, then yeah. I, thought, I thought he was a bit older than that, actually. Well, 66 is uh, 50, yeah, probably, yeah. probably the same age, to be honest. But yes, it was Aaron Banks, uh, obviously the leading donor and figure in the Leave.eu campaign, and also played, uh, obviously played very well by an actor in the Brexit, the Uncivil oh, War. Yeah, that's in classic. I feel, like, uh, I feel like a UKIP member getting uh, suspended isn't, it doesn't exactly narrow it down. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, not no, it really doesn't. Yeah. Um, well, he said he got suspended, but he actually, uh, he, got, but he said he actually left, which is obviously the, the standard uh, thing. Yeah. So over to you, Odysseus. This is a tough one, this is. This person was MP for South Derbyshire. Right, next. This person became junior health minister in 1986. Next. This person appointed Jimmy Savile to head up a task force to run the Broadmoor Psychiatric Hospital. <laughs> what? Right, next. <laughs> and this person loves a good stuffing from John Major. <laughs> a good what? Um... I'm yeah, so actually. What? Yeah, Albert knows, doesn't he? Albert knows. I think so. I think I think I know, but I don't know whether this um, might have even heard of this person. A, well, uh, very famous, very famous affair in the uh, in the noughties and the nineties. Well, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, yeah. Had an affair with John Major. Came, came out in the uh, came out in the noughties. Oh, is it? Um, it's not Edwina Curry, is it? It is Edwina Curry. It is. Uh, she she was as junior health minister. She did appoint Jimmy Savile to head the task force. <laughs> uh, to run, uh, obviously leading. It was, it was her fault that all this happened. Well, not obviously Jimmy Savile's so all the blame lies at Jimmy Savile, but if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for her, then a lot of the cases wouldn't have happened. And also, obviously, she loves a good stuff from John Major. She had a, a very famous affair with John Major. Uh, they were both married at the time, but uh, with in 1985, um, which led to a bit of a scandal with John Major. Um, so, 2 at 1. Time, at the same time, Bill Clinton was with Monica Lewinsky. Our Prime Minister was with Edwina Curry. Yes, I know. I know who I'd rather be with. Uh, I'd rather be with Bill Clinton, I'd rather be with uh, out of all them. Um, but anyway, on to the final one. So, it's 2 1. So, Albert, if you get two points here, you have won uh, the first, first round of the Chucker Champions League. 
So over to you. So this is the first first clue. This person was MP for Sheffield, Brightside, and Hillsborough. Uh, next, please. This person proposed first proposed the idea of a Yorkshire Parliament. Uh, next, please. This person has held three Secretary of State offices, including education, home, and pensions. Um, I'll get the next one then, please. Well, to tie it up. I'm going to give you a few names here. Ruby, Teddy, Offer, Lucy, Sadie, Cosby, and Barley. So they are your clues for one point. This person is, was MP for Sheffield, Brightsers, and Hillsborough. Proposed the idea of a Yorkshire Parliament. Was Education Secretary, Home Secretary, and Work and Pension Secretary. And also these names are linked to this person. Ruby, Teddy, Offer, Lucy, Sadie, Cosby, and Barley. They aren't really human names, are they? But what are they? Oh, um, um, uh, David Blunkett. The old, uh, the old day. It is David Blunkett. <laughs> um, David Blunkett, obviously, yes, he was MP for Sheffield. Nineteen eighty-seven to twenty fifteen. He was the first person in Parliament to propose the idea of a Yorkshire Parliament, in, you know, in devolution in Yorkshire. There he we held go. the sec the highest positions of Home Secretary, Education Secretary, Work and Pension Secretary for fourteen days. And his dogs in Parliament were called Ruby, Teddy, Offer, Lucy, Sadie, Cosby, and Barley. Sadie was the one that's famous because Sadie was the one that was sick in. Um, during a work and pensions debate and Barley was the one that actually when he walked into parliament led him to sit in the conservative seats rather than the labor seats uh so there we go so it is two two heading into the tiebreaker so as it was we went to a tiebreaker last week you know the idea i'm going to go through the same ones again the first person to get the answer right by shouting it out no, it's not that, is it because it's, it's two it's two one to me isn't it well it's two two uh, you got edwina curry he got john oh, prescott yeah, you got aaron are. banks they run it all on the, all on the final clue so over to this one so this so obviously you know the answer. If you get the answer, uh, you can you know shout it out. Whoever uh, me and Ed will be judge as well. Whoever we hear first does it. So remember, you get one vote, one one answer, one answer. Me. So the first clue: this person was former MP for Streatham. Former MP for Streatham. Second clue: this person is very bald. Former MP for Streatham. This person is very bald. And the, fight, the clue, remember to shout out, the first one to shout out to this person sat in Parliament with three separate parties. Former MP for Streatham. Oh, Jigger I heard Odysseus no, that was gets it first. Oh, but there we go. Yes, the answer is Chuck Ramuna, the coward himself, uh, who refuses to come on the podcast to talk politics. The he... <laughs> Is gives Oddie the first point in the Chucker Champions League. Yeah. So, <laughs> it works for Tom Harwood. It yeah. will work for you. So, that is it. Oddie, you take a good lead. How does it feel to be back in front again for a third time? Oh, it feels, you know, I mean, Albert's supposed to be good at this and I'm not. So, he must be really embarrassed. He is. Um... He's got to start. He's got, he, he, every week he comes back and says, I've got to try hard next week. And he just loses. So, uh, he, <laughs> he does need some help. Um, massively but uh you know you know he, he's gotta he's gotta get better but hopefully well done says you win and on that bombshell uh, i would like to say uh thank you to ed thank you for joining us i hope we see you again next week probably not um i'd like to thank <laughs> albert, albert and odysseus as well for joining us i uh, hope you enjoyed this episode i hope you enjoyed the you know the news and the, the uh chukra champions league as well and we'll see you all next week Thank you.